Welcome to chapter 12 of Arona. It's me again, Adam James. I wanted to say a big thanks to Zach and Jindy for becoming my newest patrons. Because of you, I'm now one step closer to keeping this podcast alive. I'd like to ask the rest of you to please visit patreon.com forward slash Adam James now and donate $1. Your small donation really helps me cover some of my expenses. There's a link to my Patreon page in this episode's description. Thanks, everyone. Now let's continue right where we left off. Chapter 12 of Arona, Castone My eyes opened, and I immediately regretted it as pain throbbed from my side. I could just make out my brothers and the others sitting by the fire. Look who's finally awake, Jack said. What? What happened? I mumbled, relieved to feel the warmth of the fire. One of those Tarongs sliced you deep on your side. You lost a lot of blood and passed out, Jack explained. You've been asleep slung over the back of Trendon's coma all day. Leafen sewed you up and, and used some of that miracle medicine to heal you. I looked up at my little friend, who was slouched over some low-hanging branches next to his eagle. Thanks, Leafen. He nodded and smiled. What about Freya? I asked. Allie began to cry softly. She didn't make it. Neither did two of the Elden Warriors, said Larry. The faster we can get home, the better. I hate this place. I looked over at Trendon, who showed no emotion, as usual. Sleep now. Long day tomorrow. We in safe place for next couple days. In Middleland now. Taronks not hurt us here. What's Middleland? asked Jack. Why won't they hurt us here? Middleland, Kingdom of Russo. No warriors allowed to fight in Russo land. But why? And who is Russo? Russo is master trader and keeper of Arone. If warrior fight here, then his king lose supply of Arone. Wait, the same medicine the king gave us? Is that where the name Arona comes from? Trenna grew impatient with all the questions and stood up and walked over to his comra. No more questions! Sleep now! I hope this Russo is a little more talkative than Trendon, muttered Jack in frustration. For the next two days, we passed through beautiful green rolling landscapes, riding along well-maintained cobblestone pathways lined with emerald green flags that featured a winged lion-like creature holding a golden chalice. From time to time, I would look up and could see high-flying Elden watching over us. What are they doing up there? I wondered. And why don't they come down and speak with us? I asked Trenton one night, and he said nothing. It was no secret that Trenton was still upset with us, but I'd hoped our little talk back in the city would have warmed him up to us for a little bit. The cobbled road led us straight to a high, natural wall of light gray rock that formed a towering plateau. It shot up from the plains and went on in both directions as far as I could see. Once we were close enough, I noticed that the road continued through a large, natural crack in the mountainside. Just before we entered the opening, Trendon stopped his comer and faced us. Stay close! No sudden moves! Do not touch weapons! Our comer slowed to a snail's pace, walking two by two, while we cautiously wound our way through the crevice. The pathway twisted and turned as we moved forward, sometimes passing through torchlit tunnels. 
I was right behind Trendon and Jack when we came out of one of the mini tunnels and made a sharp turn to the left. Halt! came an unfamiliar, high-pitched voice from above us. I looked up and saw a tall, slender creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. He had pinkish skin and no ears, no hair, and big, solid black eyes, and two large holes where his nose should have been. He turned his head around as he spoke to us, while the hairy creature he was riding held on to the cliffside. "'What is your business here?' he asked. His mouth didn't move when he spoke, and seemed to be always open, with slivers of skin connecting to the top and bottom. It was then I noticed more creatures, who were very well camouflaged, many of them pointing a wide variety of mysterious-looking weapons at us. We were surrounded. "'We are from the kingdom of Elden, here to trade and buy our own,' lied Trendon. "'Why do you travel with Earthmen?' he asked. He made a small movement, and his animal effortlessly jumped to a lower ledge. He then scaled down the wall to get a better look at us. The beast grunted as I watched with envy. It looked like quite a ride. They are friends of King Elden. We sent a messenger. What should be expecting us? Explained Trendon, seemingly unworried. Very well. I am Scott Seafall. Lay down your weapons and follow me, he said. A feeling of relief came over me as Trendon quickly dismounted and threw his spear to the ground. We followed his example, leaving everything behind and leading our Comora on foot. We continued along the pathway with the strangest mix of beings walking in front, behind, and above us. The one next to me had a face that split in two right after his mouth. He had no nose, and the two parts of his face had two large orange eyes with bushy eyebrows. I tried not to stare. Each individual looked to be from a different world, but all of them wore matching emerald green uniforms. The path wound up to the top of the plateau. When we reached the top, I immediately saw a great blue sea, its waters a shimmering light blue that matched the sky. Seemingly floating over the sea was a giant mushroom-shaped rock the size of a mountain. A sprawling medieval city covered the mountain. This was clearly our destination. The cobblestone path ended, and I looked over the edge to discover that the plateau dropped straight down thousands of feet to the sparkling water. A series of four long stone bridges connected scattering rock formations that flew straight out of the sea. I could just make out waves crashing upon the bases below. These men will take your camera. No beasts are allowed in Caston, said Scott Sifor. Hope you're still not afraid of heights, Troy said Cubby, grabbing me playfully by one arm and pretending to push me off the edge. I took a deep breath as we stood onto the first of the narrow stone bridges. After each bridge, there was a fortified gatehouse built upon the high rock outcroppings. Each had guards in emerald green uniforms, standing atop the walls and towers, dotted with the same colored flags. Finally, we crossed the final bridge, and I looked down and saw hundreds of enormous wooden ships, moored at a harbor built around the bottom of the mountain's narrow base. Huge pulleys hoisted up the ship's cargoes, bringing the loads through large holes in the rock and into the city. I watched as flying Elden and other creatures dove down to some of the ships while still others flew up into the city. Castone looked impenetrable. Vast stone walls surrounded the entire edge of the mushroom-topped mountain, 
with towers positioned every few hundred feet. Hundreds, if not thousands of guards dotted the fortifications. Giant crossbows and other mysterious firing weapons sat positioned atop each tower. I'd never seen a castle so well positioned. I've been to many castles while traveling in Europe, and nothing matched this. It looked impossible to conquer. The last drawbridge began lowering as we approached, and the gates of the city cranked open. Inside, Castone was alive with commotion. People moved in every direction in a crowded sea of hustle and bustle. The noise and smells reminded me of a massive bazaar or outdoor market in the Middle East or India. Look sharp and stay close to me. Talk to no one, commanded Trenton. We started to push through the crowd single file, keeping Scott C4 within sight at all times. Men and women called out their wares as they tried to attract each passerby. Everything imaginable was being sold. Small animals, food, weapons, supplies, clothing, and many other items that I'd never seen before. I saw more mysterious things in the first seconds of being in Castone than I had ever seen in my life. The city was a melting pot of wonderful chaos. We then passed a slave auction that was taking place. Men, women, and children of all types were being sold. I frowned at the terrible sight, noting how filthy they were and how miserable they all looked. As we passed the cage of small human children, I looked at Jack to say something and saw the pain on his face. I'm sure they reminded him of his daughters, Maddie, Emmy, and Gigi. Suddenly, a large slender creature with forbidding eyes grabbed me by my shoulder and whispered something in my ear in some alien language. It gave me the creeps, and I couldn't help but shiver with fear. Trenton quickly pushed his hand away, and he disappeared into the sea of madness. Eventually, we entered a large stone building that appeared to be a tavern of some kind. Wait here, said Trenton. He strode towards one of the back tables, leaving us standing awkwardly at the door. The pub didn't look too friendly. It wasn't that crowded and the few patrons sitting around in the dimly lit room didn't seem very happy to see us. I don't know how, but strange music was being played by a chained-up animal, and several tables of shady-looking characters stopped and stared at us for a second before returning to their games. Finally, Trenton walked back over to us. Come, he said, followed by something else in his native tongue. The other Elden Warriors and Leafen stayed at the door. Trenton led us to a table in the back, where a strange-looking creature sat on the far end of the table. Welcome, welcome. I am War, at your service. He said slowly. He had no nose, and it seemed the wart noise was his way of taking an air before speaking. He was short, hairy, and slender, with just a few teeth. He was dressed in a multicolored type of turban, and a luxurious black velvet robe tied with glowing rope of gold and blue hues. Please sit down. I hear you are looking to take a ship to Newdonia. Drew and I sat down while the others stood behind us. There were stacks of odd coins and papers spread across the table in front of us. Yes, we're, we're trying to find our way home, back to Earth, said Drew. We hear the king of Newdonia might be able to help us. He gasped. Of course, of course. I can help you with that. 
I have many trading ships going to Newtonia monthly. But how will you pay me? Trendon then tossed a cloth bag I had never seen onto the table in front of him. Wart grabbed at it expectantly, spilling a small pile of glowing pebbles out into his hand. Wart! He gasped again as he made what looked like a rather terrifying version of a smile. Fine, fine, fine. This will do. Just then, a fight broke out behind us as two smaller creatures began wrestling with a large, hairy beast that looked like Bigfoot. He said in an angry tone, turning to one of the tall, cloaked men standing next to him. The man quickly approached the fight, and in an instant, cut the three beings down with a strange-looking wire sword. Wart didn't even blink his pitch-black bug eyes. Cardo will take you to my office now, where we can talk in a more pleasant environment and plan your journey. You and your men may stay here and enjoy the refreshments, he said. He looked at Trendon and signaled for drinks to be brought over. My men will stay here, Trendon agreed, but I promised my king not to leave Earthmen until I found their way home. As you wish, said Wart dismissively, already turning away and continuing another conversation. The man Wart sent us with was named Koro and seemed to be a human from Earth, but it was hard to tell because he wore a brown hood and sash that covered almost his entire face. He was short with dark brown skin and it looked like as though white inked tattoos covered his entire body, including his face and hands. He walked over to a hidden door behind Wart and opened it signaling for us to enter, then went in himself. We followed him down a dark, candlelit stone tunnel that split several times, while Trenton explained to us who Wart was. He is one of most powerful people in Castone. In less than hundred years, he traded his way to top and now run large parts of city. He is known to have spies in every kingdom and knowledge of all goings-on in Arona. Bad reputation. Liar. Did anything and everything to climb to top, including sell own data. All boats to Ludonia is Wart's boats. Have no choice. Must work with him. After hearing this unnerving description of Wart, I grew more and more nervous, and as we walked deeper into the catacombs, I couldn't shake the morbid thought that we'd end up down here forever. We passed down several staircases and entered another large, dimly lit room, this one with a sandy floor and no other doors. I looked to my right and noticed Koro was gone. Hey, where did- At that moment, a large metal gate came crashing down the doorway we had just passed through. We were trapped. That's it for chapter 12. Thanks for listening. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And if you haven't already, please visit my Patreon page. Okay, thanks everyone, and I'll see you again in the next episode.